What is the traditional gift for the 100th anniversary? Nobody lives that long, so That's I don't true. know. That's true, but... It would be diamonds, platinum... Well, platinum is 75. Okay. Or 70. I don't remember. Anyway, no, it's 70. Um, the, the anniversary gift, and granted, not for people, but for, like, events... Uh, places, yeah. things of that nature, is a 10-carat diamond. Okay, then. Cough it up, Stan. And I <laughs> expect my delivery just any time now. Your delivery to give to me? No, from you to me. <laughs> Good luck with that. All right. <laughs> Oh, this one's starting off well. Yeah. Uh, this is episode 100 of Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. Marriage. Welcome to episode 100 of Ba-ba-da. Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, the podcast where a couple ha- that have been married almost 100 years. 100 years. Or maybe it just seems like it. Uh, <laughs> 35, actually. And, and counting. And counting, yes, at least so far. And uh, we get together and we take turns each week selecting a movie or TV show or documentary to watch. We uh, sit down, watch it together, and then we sit down and talk about it together and then share that conversation with you. Live and uncensored. And um, 100 episodes means that we have on podcast about four days worth of conversation. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because at least it, not at first, but recently, most of our episodes have been about an hour. Hovering, yeah. And 96 hours is four days. Look at you doing the maths. I, I did it at work with a calculator earlier. Um, and so we're, we are very close to four continuous days of talking to each other. Wow. I know. And it's taken how many years to do that? Uh, a little over two. Okay. Okay. Uh, plus 35 years of marriage. Well, yeah, because it's really one very long, ongoing conversation. That's and we right. can pick up threads from 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. And still know exactly when to laugh and what to laugh at. That's exactly right. That dog is a bear. That dog is a bear. <laughs> That is, that is one of our uh, long-term running inside jokes. Dude, we've got $70 and a pair of girls' underpants. underpants. We're safe as kittens. That's right. Also, one of our running jokes, but that is a line from, from a, movie, a movie, which yes. we may do on here one day. Have we not already? No. We haven't? No. Okay. Uh, and we... <laughs> it's we'll pretty to, cringy now. We'll have to get into the the less uh, appropriate aspects of that film when we do it. Yeah. However, uh, I, I, got inter- I, 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 I I'm transitioned sorry. myself completely out of my normal routine. I am Stay in the Movie Man. <laughs> I review films at stayinthemovieman.com. Uh, I follow me on Twitter at Movie Man Stan and follow the podcast at CT Marriage. Want to get in touch with us? Easy to do. Send us an email, comedy tragedy marriage at gmail.com. And you can also click a link in the description of this episode and send us a voice message. Joining me, as always, for 
all but one of the 100 episodes mm. um, is uh, my partner in life, the reason I get up in the morning, the sunshine on my horizon. Aww. It is my other half. Maud the daydreamy broad. I knew that's what you would do this week. And yeah. you had the honor of selecting the 100th, uh, the topic of the 100th episode. So please, <laughs> why don't you tell us all about it? Okay, so here's the thing. We were, no, we were talking recently about a, a TV show that we both remembered from when we were kids that we both remember fondly mm -hmm. that I found on YouTube TV. Ah. And we'll be watching some episodes of that here soon. Okay. Um, the, the television show was called My World and Welcome to It. It starred William Wyndham as a... A character based on the writer and illustrator James Thurber. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. It completely derailed. Anyway, it ran for one season on NBC, 26 episodes. Um, I guess it wasn't that popular Apparently because not. it yeah, it might have been a little bit too erudite or too good for network TV at the time. Well, it didn't exactly fit into a traditional sitcom mold. No, it would have probably the way that I'm remembering it, it probably would have been one of the first dramedies. Possibly. Possibly. Anyway, um, it's available on YouTube TV. We will be exploring that in the future. Mm -hmm. But in my ramblings, um, wanderings, and thinking about James Thurber, I started doing a little research, and I came across the 1947 film The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, starring mm -hmm. Danny Kaye. Now, there was a 13, 2013 remake starring Ben Stiller. Who also directed. Who also directed. Um, but I wanted to go back to the original first and we may we may look at the remake at some point there are haters who say the remake didn't need to be remade um well, eh, i don't there, know there are those who's who may think that this one the, the original didn't need to be made uh, that is true um <laughs> thurber was thurber is one among them thurber yes. wasn't exactly thrilled with the adaptation um of his short story mm -hmm. um directed by norman z mcleod screenplay by ken england everett freeman and philip rapp um, based upon the 1939 short story the secret life of walter mitty by um james thurber Starring Danny Kaye, Virginia Mayo, Boris Karloff, Faye Painter, and Anne Rutherford as his um, henpecking fiance, who I don't know if you recognized her or not, but she was one of Scarlet's sisters in Gone with the Wind. I did not. She well, she was. That's that. That and this are her two notable works listed on her wiki page. Um, the the music um the score was by david raxon and there are a couple of featured songs um by sylvia fine in this and one of those is one of danny Kaye's most famous patter song performances um he does a couple of numbers um one of which um is anatole of paris where he is daydreaming that he is this very fancy she she um, precious French um, hat designer, yes, and that is a very that's a very frenetic kind of number. The whole score actually has a bit of a frenetic feel to it to as, match the character. To match the character, 
poor Walter Mitty, bless his heart. He is your your typical hempecked, put upon, beleaguered, milk toast kind of a guy. In fact, they're having dinner with his mother, with whom he lives, and his fiance and her mother, and their little yappy dog named Queenie, who was just mean. Yeah. Um, and he is actually having milk toast for his dinner. Yes, because he has a nervous stomach. He has a nervous stomach. Yes. Um, Can't imagine why. <laughs> so anyway, he works for the publisher of a number of um, pulp magazines. Yes, adventure, uh, salacious for the time. Adventure, uh, murder, yeah, detective stories. romance. They're going to start a line of hospital romances. Yeah, lots of nurses, lots of nurses. Lots of nurses, yes, uh, which leads to another of his daydreams. Yeah. Um, and um, he's a proofreader, as I recall. He begins as a proofreader. Eventually, he gets promoted to associate editor. And that's at the very end of the it's movie. That, that, that's at the very end of the movie, which you and I, I think, both have some issues with. A few. A few. Um, this was filmed in Technicolor. It certainly was. Um, I think it, that's why the taxis were that color. <laughs> probably. Th there were there were some taxis that were both yellow and pink. Yes. And some that were yellow and red. Mm -hmm. um, not your normal, stereotypical yellow checker cab that and you see in New York. I don't know if that was something that happened in the late 40s. Uh, maybe it was some sort of celebration for after the end of the war and... They had resources again, to, to and they decided to paint their taxis weird colors. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, it seems like it's just to show off the Technicolor. Could be. There's a there is a lot of very vibrant. the The movie is very vibrant looking, with the exception of um, Walter's home that he shares with his mother that looks like a Victorian era tomb. Yeah, it's, it's very kind of, gray and cobwebby looking. Yeah, it it it's almost looks sepia toned. Yeah, but in in grayscale rather than in brown. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, uh, Walter is under his mother's thumb. Yeah. Um he she orders him around and berates him for daydreaming all the time. Mhm. Mm um and she's constantly giving him projects, uh, you know, errands to run. Shopping lists. Why he has to go into the city to buy a watering can, a garden watering can, mm -hmm. when she lives in a small town, but a town nonetheless that probably has a general store. Or a hardware or store. A hardware or a hardware store. Surely to goodness she could uh, be troubled to walk to the hardware store or drive the car to the hardware store because he rides the train into work. Yeah. And she drives him to the train sometimes. Yes. She doesn't like to go over 30 and she the That's first right. scene of the movie she's berating him for going too fast yeah, because going he's over going 35. 35. Yes. Um, it reminded me of your daddy saying, I don't think you need to be driving so damn fast. How yeah. many gears has yeah, this, this car, car got? got. Using uh, them all. It's got five, Dad. <laughs> well, you're using all of them, ain't you? Yeah. This car's running like a scared haint. Well, anyway. Anyway. Um, that reminded he, me of your dad. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he, he and and his boss is a tyrant. Who uh, steals his good ideas. Steals routinely. all his good ideas. And, um, um, but, 
you know, Walter is like, oh, don't don't rock the boat. Just trying to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. But he, he tends to daydream. And he, like, goes deep into these daydreams. And his daydreams are vivid, mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. least. I haven't read the story, so I can't say how true to the story <laughs> the detail in the daydreams is. Thurber is quite adamant that it departs greatly from his story. Okay. Um, but in in the film, the daydreams are vivid and yes. quite involved, and he becomes completely lost in them. Now, yes. you, um, it's a bad idea when you're driving. Bad idea when you're driving. Um, you would you would remember that Danny Kaye, of course, is in the holiday classic White Christmas mm-hmm. that came out in 1954. This is Danny Kaye prior seven years prior to. Um, white christmas i'm beeping i'm sorry we'll could we can just ignore that can we just ignore that do you want to take the call because we can break this up into two segments okay let's break it up okay we'll 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 be back and it'll be like we were never gone (coughs) hello and we're back hi (laughs) i'm dainty yes yes you are yes we were interrupted by a phone call but we're back now you were talking about danny k yeah, Walter Mitty was seven years before White Christmas, mm-hmm. so that's just a like a frame of reference as far as a, a timeline of his career, I guess. Um, he, he is such a master of physical comedy. I mean, there are not exactly pratfalls because there there are are tricks he does and pretzely moves mm-hmm. where he doesn't quite fall that are just hilarious he's, in this thing. He's, um, it's like he's Jim Carrey, but Jim Carrey's turned up to 50. It, it It's, he's just so, he's like a slinky covered with skin. Yeah, yes, he's, um, he is a master of physical. Yeah comedy he he's also a, a terrific dancer yeah and i'm sure that played into some of of his movements and actions oh my gosh yes in this film um including physical comedy with it's like he has a putty face right like he, jim carrey yeah except way better yeah okay uh, i think um my humble opinion um he just in the sketch where he is imitating the music professor, mm-hmm. which is one of the one of the daydreams, one of the patter songs too. Mm-hmm. His face is just all over his face, and it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. But it it's it's very cartoonish. Yes, um, that song and the song about Anatole of Anatole of Paris, Paris um, were you know of course they weren't in the book, uh, and they were added specifically. To showcase Kay's talents. Yeah, huh? And and marvelously so. uh, Well, you see, I disagree. I found both... I enjoyed the Anatole song more. And apparently that is some sort of signature piece of his. Yeah, it's pretty famous. Uh, But um, especially the, the music director, you know, they didn't even have the background players laugh at it. Um, it wasn't funny. Oh, I thought it was. I uh, see. I didn't know it wasn't funny. It was just silly. I thought I, it was I, funny. I think the Anatole uh, song is—he's making a statement that 
you know, it's kind of ugly. But um, at least there's a point to it. He's, he's making a comment on these ugly hats this guy is designing and selling for a lot of money. Yeah. While, he, you know, he's... It's it's a minor plot point about this. Well, in a the major black, daydream, the, the 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 black book that everybody's looking for uh, is the major plot point. But he hid it somewhere, and it's at this fashion show in this department store. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he's there with um, Virginia Mayo. Virginia Mayo. Rosalind Van Horn is yes. her character's name. Um, and um, he's sitting in the audience of this hat show and um, it starts to daydream. And, you know, the hats this guy makes are ridiculous. Are, are but ugly. Um, and overly complex. I mean, as we record this, the Met Gala in New York City was last night. Mm-hmm. So everybody there was um, ridiculous and overly complicated, um, in overly complicated uh, outfits. Um, That's well, kind of a trademark of the thing. Well, yes, it is. But they seem to, they always want to up the ante every, every year. year. Lil Nas X showed up with uh, what he looked like he was C-3PO um, from Star Wars. Except in a ball gown, right? No, he was at when he arrived, of course because they changed clothes three or four times during the whole thing. Yeah. But when he was walking the red carpet he was wearing what appeared to be a golden suit of armor without the helmet. Okay. But, I mean he was just, had this gold I'm assuming it was plastic uh uh, on um, and and then various other uh, and apparently the MTV movie or uh, the MTV Video Music Awards, which by the way MTV doesn't play music anymore. Um, I'm quite frankly surprised they showed the Music Awards on MTV, but uh, people were wearing crazy outlandish outfits yeah. at that. Um, and both of those events are rife for satire and this this particular song was a satire, a satire on um the way fashion makes women in some instances uh in this specific instance look silly yeah you know hats with uh the the top of it came off uh the the hat pin came off and and then the brim came off and it was just like this this sparkly skull cap, but you put the hat pin back in because it had a feather on it. It was it it was just all ridiculous. And then the song was about ridiculous, you know, clothing designers or hat designers specifically. And his the whole point of his uh, of the song is is that Anatoly Anatole hates women. Yeah. Because and the guy. It's a bit fay. No, oh, yeah. Uh, He's the, quite precious. The original and the and the the, the actual Anatole. Yes. Um, and you know he's and it's you know I guess this supposedly Anatole's internal monologue that he designs these goofy hats because he's he's gay and he hates women. I guess. Again, this it, is the late forties. 
It so, reminded me a lot of the choreography number in White Christmas, where they're, you know, it's it's not dancing anymore, it's choreography. Oh, yeah. It yes, becomes yes. very, and it's, it's satirical. It's not fashion anymore, it's style. It's Anatole of Paris. Yes, so, yeah. Um, and I enjoyed that song much more than the music director song. Now, maybe because you are a music person... Maybe it spoke to me differently. Yes, but to me, it wasn't funny. It was just silly, and I could have done without it. Oh, no, I think it's brilliant. Well... I think his performance of it is brilliant. It was... Uh, yes, he's he's very... Uh, he's got a very nimble mouth mm-hmm. um, and is able to do these little repetitive runs of... of Different nonsense, syllables and nonsense syllables uh, throughout the song, um, and a lot of those, a lot of that was done in long single takes, which they do a lot more now. Uh, did a lot more then than they do now because people back then had talent. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of very long single takes where you might be able to see a few background players who are being absolutely still mm. uh and 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 Kay is is doing this this nonsense song about this music professor that his fantasy land character had when he was in college um so it's you know it was sort of a fantasy within a fantasy almost kind of where he he's this world war ii fighter ace and he's got all these uh, swashtickas on the side of his airplane for all the planes, German planes he shot down. Mm-hmm. Um, and but Mitty um, didn't actually go to war because of his nervous stomach yeah. or whatever, whatever excuse was given. Um, so it was like a fantasy within a fantasy about this music teacher during this World War Two, you know. I'm a fighter ace, and you know, I just, you know, some of the fantasies I liked, uh, the daydreams, I should say. Yeah. Some of the daydreams I liked, and some of them were just, you know. There. Yeah, they took up too much time. Uh, this movie's an hour, an hour and 50, 50 minutes. Uh, and movies, that's long for movies for the time. Uh, of course, this is a big budget uh, major studio. It's not some B movie where they just slapped it around, slapped it together real quick, and mm-hmm. got it on a screen because people back then would watch anything. But um, yeah, it just seemed they were showing. You know, they were showing. They were giving him a showcase, and fine. But for a modern audience, it just seemed like a lot. Okay. That's all I got on that. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you. What did you think about the espionage aspect of the story? Which is not in Thurber's book. Um, or short story. It, it, <laughs> well, it, it, it was convoluted. Uh-huh. And... Um, yeah. Yeah. 
it was convoluted and then it was they wrapped it all up real quick with a nice tidy bow and it and i was like what in the actual yeah. and you laughed your head off when i yes. said that what was that i think was the quote um at the end of the film uh yeah it, there's this uh, espionage thing about this book that's got the locations of hidden, hidden dutch, dutch treasures and artwork that were were hidden Squirreled uh, away during the war. During from the Nazis, and um, there's this m- mysterious organization, the shady boot. organization called the Boot, that is uh, trying to get the book so that they can collect the stuff. And I don't know; it's never explained what the Boot is going to do with it. Are they going to try to establish the Third Reich? Or are they just looking to get rich? What know. What is it? Um, but in in I kind of understand why the plot device is there because it 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 gives Mitty's character a dose of some of the stuff he daydreams about in his real life. Right, and he doesn't handle it well at first. He doesn't handle it well at at first. At first. He does, I think, rise to the occasion. Well, yes, uh, the because girl he, he has to. The girl he meets is the literal girl of his dreams. Yes. He, it's, it's, she's, Virginia Mayo is this beautiful blonde, and he describes her as having a beautiful mouth, and she does, and she smiles with that beautiful mouth. His fiance is a pinched, dried-up little prune of a woman who is just... Who doesn't really like him anyway. Yeah, doesn't really like him anyway. I'm not sure his mother likes him. No. (laughs) I don't think anybody likes him. Um, Tubby Wadsworth is his sort of rival suitor for his fiancée, Gertrude. And and why would Gertrude bring him to dinner over at her fiancé's house? Rude much? Yeah. Trying to maybe provoke a little jealousy? Or or compare and contrast? Maybe because... Tubby keeps asking her to uh, asking her Tubby, to marry yeah, him. Yeah, Tubby keeps proposing. I, I just go be there's, with Tubby. There's a lot of stuff about this movie that a doesn't make sense. And again, it's 1947. Yeah, but still, there there weren't 50 state stars on the flag. That's I true. Mean, <laughs> we were still at 48. Yes. So, and we were two years out of World War II. So, I guess light, mindless entertainment was what America wanted. Um, but you could have light, mindless entertainment that at least is logical. And this movie, in several ways... It's not logical. ...is not logical. Agreed. Agreed. That being said, um, Danny Thomas... Res- uh, Danny Thomas. <laughs> the other Danny. Danny yeah, Kay. Danny um, whose red hair alone makes it worth the Technicolor... Um, because it, his hair's as red as the taxicab red. Um, hmm. Looks blonde to me, but maybe that's just the transfer and on no, TV. No, dude, he is red. He is carrot top red. I know he's a redhead, but on on in this film, he looks blonde. Dude, you are so colorblind. I, but I I a resent that, and two could be could be. But it, I'm just telling you what it looked like to me. It looked blonde. No, it was red. But anyway, um, Danny Kaye's performance in many parts of this film is remarkable. 
So, I, I mean, I don't think that we have any quibble with that, do we? Uh, no, I think the things he's asked to do, I have more problems with than, than yeah. how he does Than them. how he does them. You know, he plays this nervous Nelly very well uh, when he's um, informed of the boot and uh, when he first meets um, uh, Virginia Mayo's Virginia Mayo. um, supposed uncle. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, not her uncle. Um and he talks about the boot and uh, the people who are looking to find this book and all of that stuff. And, you know, he's drinking his tea and he's shaking. Yeah. And, and he, he knocks... He, his physical comedy in several places is very entertaining. Yeah. Like when he's... The, the cushion falls off the chair and he gets wrapped up in the chair. All um, knees and elbows with the chair legs. And he's going around in circles... Um, and then he's at, uh, back in the dressing room of this fashion show where corsets, for some reason, are... Well, it's a fashion show, and he's hidden the book in, cor- inside, in a corset. Inside a corset. And even though the fashion show... Well, the fashion show was about underwear, kind of. So, the first thing, it was a, like a private showing. But for some reason, he was just accepted and told to sit down. Yeah. Um, sure. Why and, not? Um, you know, and these, uh, all these women wearing corsets. Um, and the about, and it is about the least sexual thing you'll see from a woman in a corset and all these women, you know, converging on him wearing corsets. Um, it's, it, it. He's he's very good at the I'm in the wrong place, That's but I have to be here. <laughs> but I don't want to be here, and I want to leave. He's um, the king of awkward. Yeah, he he does a very good job at at um, deer in headlights and shaking so hard that he manages to get out of the way of the car. He's 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 very good at that sort of comedy. He mm-hmm. he does it in a more subtle way in White Christmas where he's. You know, talking about you know the where he's he's trying to get the general to to uh, not see the TV. Yeah, so he has to pretend to, to break his ankle. To, yeah, and he, he's the general's trying to carry him around, and and you know it's again he's very good at physical comedy. Yes, and he's uh, his physical comedy here is for the most part very good. There's just stuff around it that doesn't work for me. Okay, fair enough. And I have no problem with older movies. As you know, yeah. Um, I just this this one just didn't quite hang together for me. Shall we take a break and rate it? I think we should. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage, episode one hundred. <laughs> Mod's choice this week was the Secret Life of Walter Mitty from nineteen forty-seven, based on James Thurber's short story. Thurber was actually called in to help with a version of the script mm-hmm. uh, early on in the uh, creation process. Mm-hmm. And he says, all of my suggestions were completely ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says it bears very little resemblance. Or to he the said story. it ba- bears very little resemblance to his actual short story. Um, we both have issues with it. Yeah. Especially the ending. Yeah. When uh, all the bad guys are captured and then a, there's a, a, a fade, fade, black. fade cut 
and uh, all of a sudden he's an associate editor at the publishing company mm-hmm. where he works, and they're married. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, <laughs> it is about as abrupt as when he drives the car over the curb. Yeah. Because he's daydreaming. It's and is this another daydream? And we just don't. We aren't told about that. Yeah. Um, no, it's the end of the movie. So he's he's succeeded. He's and then won. it's like, what was and that? Then, and then boom, we're done. We watch this on the Roku channel. Uh, it has commercials. Mm-hmm. It's also on Tubi. Uh, it will also have commercials, yeah. although I don't know that a hundred percent because that's not where we watched it. Yeah. And you can rent it from all the usual places. So tell me, on our hundredth episode, what rating? based on um, corsets, five corsets, or whatever, or ugly hats, whatever you want to apply to 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 the rating. Why do you even try? Because you know I'm going to come up with something else. I know, but I just feel the need. I, occasionally, I might surprise you and come up with something good. Obviously, not this time. <laughs> so, based on five whatevers, what do you give... The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Three and a half milk toasts from me. Milk toasts, obviously. Why I didn't see that, I don't know. And th- three and a half soggy milk toasts. Yeah. This this <laughs> movie had a lot of problems. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, it's on a list somewhere as the 497th greatest. 479. 479th greatest movie of all of, time. Of 500, yeah. Um. I don't know what they're talking about. Um, Me neither. And some of that may be a generational thing. I mean, it may have rung more true to audiences in 1947. I don't know. There was just, um, aside from Danny Kaye and how charming he is and how talented he is and, and how brilliantly his charm and talent are displayed here um the milk toasts are a little soggy for me i did enjoy boris karloff as one of the bad guys dude was literally gray yeah yeah i and i don't know if that was makeup or what but even his hands we see a close-up of his hands in a scene and his hands were gray it's like dude playing a dead corpse guy all these years became reality for you somehow. Maybe the um, Frankenstein makeup stained his his skin. I don't don't know. know. But uh, I did enjoy him. Yeah. Um, A small role, but a a a nice turn. A small but pivotal role. Uh, Yeah, I two and a half milk toasts for me. Frankly, I'm surprised you gave it that many. uh, I'm a little surprised myself. I I think um, your appreciation for his perform for Danny Kaye's performance, mm-hmm. um, maybe raised it a bit, but yeah, it's 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 fine if you are a fan of that type of um, mid-century uh, escapist cinema. Then by all means, watch it. But I yeah, I could have used l- not more reality, but a little more maybe focus or. A little more um, logic. Logic, yes, precisely. That is what I could have used a little more of. Um, at some point, we may read the story. No. 
my dear, I, I don't know if you've met me, but I've um, met you. Um, I don't read. Maybe I'll listen to the audiobook. Maybe I'll do that. You know, there is um, there is a an audiobook of Keith Olbermann reading a lot of Thurber stuff. He used to do that on Countdown. Yes, he did. He did a Friday and Night his, Thurber, I think. Yes, and actually his father was the one who said, you you might ought to actually do this for real, make a, like a real project out of doing mm -hmm. this, and so he did. Okay. So maybe we'll check that out on vacation. Uh, maybe. I have not watched hardly anything. Have you? No, not really. We've watched a little bit of stuff together, but not even really that much. A little bit of, you know, true crime here, true crime there. Um, mur only murders in the building. We've, we've, there's a new episode tonight as we record this of that. Cool. So we need to watch that. Lower uh, Decks. We watch Lower Decks. Um, we watch the latest Evil. Evil. Yeah. Um, a really good show. I'm so surprised. I'm so glad they moved it to Paramount+. Plus. I'm surprised that you like it. Uh, no, it's really right up my alley. I could actually use a little more weirdness, to be yeah. honest. Although, with her mom giving up offerings to a doll yeah. that talks to her. Cheryl making, you know, burning dollar bills, sacrificing to Chucky. Oh, that last one was a 20. Oh. So she she's must asking want for something, something big. She's needing a big favor. So yeah, Christine Lottie is terrific as the um, evil mom in disguise. She's. I don't know exactly what her deal is. Like, is she? I don't know. It it fascinates me, and I look forward to learning more of what kind of twisted weirdness she's into. In the first season, she was just sort of an antagonist for the husband. Yeah. Her, her and the daughter's hip, husband. And, the hip, and then he was gone for most of the first season, Yeah, too. the hip grandma. She was the hip grandma. Um, and then she got involved with Leland, the... Um, um, Devil Disciple, played by Michael Emerson. Yeah, he's... He's, he's a force of evil. Right. And apparently something bad's gonna, or at least something potentially bad's gonna happen to to uh, Christine Lottie's character, in at least if if not the next episode and upcoming episodes. Yeah. Uh, but you know she was just hip grandma to start in the first season, and then she's made this turn, which really isn't a surprise, because we've seen hints of it in the first season, mm -hmm. um, and then now. She's all of those hints are starting to pay off. Yeah, she's like she's built her altar yeah. in the in the garage apartment, and she you know sacrifices currency to Chucky, and it's not literally Chucky, but no. she's got a doll sitting yeah. on an altar between two candles, and she burns money, mm -hmm. and you know, chants or does whatever. And I guess depending on the size of what she wants is the size of the denomination of the bill. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so. But it's, it's twisty and good. It is, and I'm really enjoying it. And if you have Paramount Plus, you can watch all of the first season and all the second season so far uh, of Evil. Now, the only really new thing I've watched is Countdown Inspiration for Mission to Space. It is on Netflix. It is a um, 
limited run documentary series about the four civilians that will be blasting off if everything goes well uh wednesday Ooh. tomorrow as we are recording this um in a spacex out. rocket it is uh, something somewhere around 802 p.m is the projected launch time but that'll depend on various yeah uh, checklists and weather, weather at conditions. the uh, emergency landing areas and and uh, for for the ship that catches the first stage as mm-hmm. it returns to earth all that stuff um so this is the first two episodes i've seen and that's the only two that have been out so far is introducing us to the four people uh the first guy is a self-made billionaire an actual self-made billionaire mm. Um, who created a way for businesses to easily and cheaply be able to swipe credit cards. Oh, okay. Um, and um, and he's he's always had an interest in aviation. He was part of a, a civilian group of stunt flyers. Oh. Um, and he is rated on um, decommissioned fighter jets. Okay. He's never been in the military. Um. And he's, you know, he's trying to encourage people to uh, do good through this mission, in part because of the way they selected the other three seats. Um, they selected somebody who was a, um, uh, who reflected charity, which it's a little weak because <laughs> the guy who's, who is the charity seat um, made a donation to St. Jude's because this flight is is an effort to raise m- money for St. Jude's. Uh, but he made an online donation to St. Jude's as part of the Inspiration4 mm-hmm. uh, program, and he was selected at random. Okay. So, but he's, he's a guy with, uh, he's married, he's got two little girls, so there's significant risk for him. Um, uh, there's a uh, woman who is an artist who make who combines um, her love of space. Oh, what is the other thing she com- I don't. I can't remember now what she combines it with. But uh, she's also like a geologist. Uh, she has a, a PhD in geology. Okay. So space and, and rocks. I have seen her on on Science Channel shows where they show unexplained videos and they try to explain what it is. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure I've seen her, but uh, she has started this uh, art business, um, combining it's it's not rocks, it's it's something else with space, and I just can't remember. But she creates art and sells it, and so she represents entrepreneurship. Okay. And the third person uh, is a childhood cancer survivor. I believe hers is gratitude. And she was, when she was nine years old, had bone cancer. Did she get treated at St. Jude's? treated at St. Jude's, and now she works there as a physician's assistant. Nice. Um, And her part of that first episode brought me to tears about seven times. Aw. And these four people, and, you know, these three people were sort of chosen to some degree at random based Mm -hmm. on certain criteria. But um, they are going to be the first non-military, non-governmental astronauts 
On a SpaceX on, flight. On a SpaceX, or to fly in space, period. Uh, they, there have been some space tourists, but they paid to ride the Russian Soyuz rocket mm -hmm. up to the International Space Station. These folks are going to orbit the Earth for three days at an altitude of like 515 kilometers, which is about twice as high as the International Space Station. And um, the, the cancer survivor has a metal rod in her leg. Oh, wow. So she's not only... Uh, the first cancer survivor to, or the, the first childhood cancer survivor to fly in space. Mm -hmm. She's also the first person with any kind of prosthetic. And they don't know what's going to happen to it. Probably nothing. Because no. it's just weightlessness. Uh, she's in her mid to late 20s, I yeah. think. So she's young and healthy at this right. point. Yes, she is. Um, so this is... Um, there's some uncharted territory, and and a well, SpaceX sure. a SpaceX um, ship has not orbited that high. There were some technical questions about whether they should go that high, mm -hmm. um, and they apparently have crunched the numbers and decided it's okay. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, these first two episodes mostly just introducing us to the people who are going. Uh, t letting us know that it's a fundraiser for St. Jude's. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, the billionaire um, donated $100 million to kick off the fundraiser uh, to St. Jude's. Good so, on him. Um, he's not just a guy with a lot of money like Bezos or uh, Branson who just wants to fly to space because they paid for the rocket. He's He wants to do it to open up the um, the avenue of of going to space for people who want to go, and you know not because they can afford to buy a seat, but because it is a lifelong dream. Yeah. Um, there's some talk of the democratization of space, and um, I know that uh, Elon Musk wants to send a bunch of people to uh, Mars and start a colony there. Um, and that's his long-term plan, is to be able to launch a ship big enough to carry 100 people to Mars. I don't know if you'll be able to do it. <clears throat> and there's a lot of stuff you got to get right just to get to Mars. And then there's the seven minutes of hell going through the atmosphere of Mars. Um, and then you have to be able to produce your own oxygen and water and grow your own food because you can't bring everything with you. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be done in situ. So there's... There's a lot. There's a lot. But that's way in the future, or at least several years in the future. Uh, tomorrow at about 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, this rocket's supposed to take off. I will be watching. Okay. Um, and we'll uh, hopefully... Cross our fingers, everything will go well. And we may be talking about this next week. Uh-huh. Countdown, Inspiration 4, Mission to Space. It is on Netflix. All right, I guess that's about it. Next week is your turn. It and is. we're not marvelicious anymore. We are not. We are not marveling. Um, so do you have any clue where you want to go next? I have a, a few thoughts and possibilities. Okay. Um, I think we may get into a little more serious territory than comic book movies or Pixar animated films. I, th I think we'll 
we'll probably hit some heavier, um, heavier subject matter in the upcoming weeks for my picks. Okay. Okay? Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, all four of you. We appreciate it. Um, and I don't know if anybody's been here since episode one. What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, nice. But uh, we appreciate however many episodes you've listened to. Please go um, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, you know, um, Spotify. We're on Amazon Music, uh, in their podcast section. Uh, pretty much any place you get podcasts, you can find comedy tragedy marriage you have a suggestion for us to uh some movie or show or documentary you want us to watch just tell us what it is where we can find it and why you think we should watch it send that to comedy tragedy marriage at gmail.com you can also leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the description of this episode 100 episodes baby we they said it wouldn't last who actually, are they? Actually, I said it probably wouldn't last because oh. my last podcast didn't make 100 episodes. Oh, ye of little faith. Well, you know. And, you know, it's not like we're getting rich doing this. We're not? <clears throat> uh, until next time, love you. <laughs> love you. And <laughs> later. later. Yay!